everything in Mezzotin, it's a it's a matter of light. If there is no light, there is no Mezzotin. Print friends, and welcome to the 88th episode of Pine Copper Line, the internet's number one printmaking podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release weekly podcasts with people in the print world who are doing something a bit beyond the expected. So please subscribe on your podcast listening app of choice. You can also find Pine Copper Line on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, or at our home at Pine copperlime.com We also have a Patreon page where supporters can join at tiers starting at just a dollar a month and that helps to keep bringing you printmaking content every week. You can also get thank yous like stickers, mugs, as well as bonus content. Shop Talk with our editor, Timothy Pauschak. These are quick and dirty tips and tricks with our guests from materials, processes, business advice, and general studio nonsense. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, you can check out the link in the show notes. It's also just totally fine if you don't want to know more about that because times are tough and you just want to enjoy listening to what we have here for free. Well, we want you to do just that too. And if you want to show your love for printmaking to the great wide world, we also have merch of all kinds with fun designs to show your PCL support and make print jokes to confuse and or intrigue your friends and family. So click the link in the show notes and send us some pictures of your PCL swag out in the world. Printmaking forever, shun the non-believers. This episode of Pine Copper Lime is brought to you by Speedball Art Products, who've been offering a diverse range of high-quality products to your practice since 1997. If you've been following along on Instagram, and we really do recommend that you do, you've no doubt seen their newest initiative in the print world, Speedball's Print Posse. Working with artists like Andy McDougall and Lil Tuffy, they've created a brand new line of custom printing inks and additives to push your practice even further. So head on over to Speedball's Print Posse shop at speedballart.com to find out where you can pick up a can of your new favorite color. There's a link in the show notes. This episode of Pine Copper Lime is also brought to you by McLean's Printmaking Supplies. Our editor, Timothy Pauschak, is loving his Wutatsu Rari Hankito 3mm carving knife. Most of us know how to go at a block with a chisel, but if you've ever seen a Yukioi block with your own eyes, you know those lines come with a variety of tools, and most importantly, a knife. And McLean's has resources to show you exactly how to hold your new tools to keep your hands and joints safe and comfortable. So head on over to imaclean's.com and find your new favorite tool. We also released a new episode of Shop Talk with Daniel Yasa from McLean's with this episode. So be sure to sign up for Patreon and learn all you need to know to get those tools in tip-top shape. My guest this week is Guy Langevin, a mezzotint artist based in Quebec. We'll talk about learning mezzotint before there was a YouTube, how making your own tools creates a deep understanding of them, working with what you have, and the job of the artist. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to rock a plate with Guy Langevin. Hi Guy, how's it going? Fine, and you, Marinda? I'm really well. Thank you for joining me this evening. It's my pleasure. Yeah. 
So I would have to say this is not the first, but a little bit of a uh, rarity on Pine Copper Lime that I interview someone who's really been requested by the listening printmakers of the world. And it's always fun to do that because I, I, I find that you know, I'm rarely led astray as we printmakers, you know, know each other and and tend to know people who do good work and are good people. And so I'm really excited to fulfill the wishes of some listeners by learning more about you and just getting to know your practice a bit. Thank you. And thank thanks to your listeners for for inviting, <laughs> proposing me. So before we dive in and start talking about your work in depth. Would you introduce yourself a little bit to people who don't know you already and just tell people who you are and where you are and what you do? Uh, so I'm, I'm a 66 years old man and uh, I, I learned my art uh, at uh, co uh, the college in, in my hometown in Shikutsumi. And I came to Trois-Rivières to uh, going to the university in the, in the middle of the 70s. So uh, when I uh, step out from university after graduation, I founded a, a professional artist uh, studio, a printmaking studio called Presse Papier here in Trois-Rivières. And I, I was at that time, I was doing lithographs. And uh, I've learned, I've practiced lithograph for, for years. So, and then a friend of mine showed me some uh, beautiful prints, curious with the light that I, I was finding very impressive. And there was mesotint, so I tried to, to make it and I became sick. Mm. So <laughs> I, I Learned mezzotint at I learned mezzotint in the middle of the 80s in 87 in fact, and I practice it for more than 35 years now. Mm. So, uh, and I I participate to many uh, international exhibitions and I have made approximately 20 75 solo exhibition mm. and probably more than 350. Uh, group exhibition throughout throughout uh, 45 years. <laughs> so you were saying that you had grown up, it sounds like maybe like a bit of a, a, a smaller town. And so how did art play a role in that part of your life? Were you someone who was drawing all the time? Did you have art in the family? How did you end up finding that as sort of your path? Uh, I'm coming from a from a family, a working, hardworking uh, family, not not involved into art at all. Mm. And but I think I was born with a I, I'm a black sheep, I I must say. Uh, and and so I draw. I was always curious about drawing, and I was drawing all the time. When I was two years old, three or five, I was always drawing, drawing and drawing. And after my secondary school, someone asked me, what, where do you want to go to make studies? And I said, oh, um, um, fine arts. Mm. 
Mm. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know <laughs> anything about the 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 the, the metier of a, being an artist. I, but I just knew that that's what I wanted to do, and uh, I'm a one-track mind, so I've made this drawing love, uh, it, which is quite close to printmaking mm-hmm. uh, and close to, to uh, the, the way we do uh, meditant. I've done, I've drawn all my life and that, that's all. There is no artist in the family, no more, no before and no after. Yeah, because I know that I, I read a little biography of you and you said that you came from a family that worked with their hands though. Was that, did I, am I remembering that correctly? My my father, when when he he knew that I was going to university, told me try to do something, find a job when you will never dirty your hands. Uh. And I've done something that he considers not being dirty, dirtying my hands in the way he was talking. Yeah. But I worked with all my life with dirty hands. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like inky fingers, right? Like that's yeah. <laughs> that's just part of the lifestyle of a mezzotint artist. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So was it at university where you were introduced to printmaking then? No, not, not at university. Uh, here, the university is a small university and the fine arts uh, faculty is a general study of fine arts. Mm. There is no concentration, no painting or no sculptures. Of course there is, but it's not, uh, you don't have to make a choice. You, you learn, you were learning almost everything at the same time. And uh, the, the fact that I was loving uh, to draw pushed me into, into printmaking. And so you said you did lithography for a while and then you saw Mezzotint and, you know, realized it had this capacity for image making, which is just really painting with light almost. You know, it has this, uh, it is all about the light and the use of light. And so, you know, this is a podcast for printmakers by printmakers, but even within that, the world of printmaking, Mezzotint is sort of this niche within a niche. So mm. in case there's anyone listening who's maybe new or not entirely sure, could you just describe the Mezzotint process um, so people know as we move forward and we dive into the details, what exactly we're talking about? Uh, Mezzotint, I used to say that Mezzotint is the only uh, printmaking technique that has his own soul. Uh, it's it's a, uh, a green technique. In fact, there is no. It's all mechanical. There is no chemical. Right. Nothing. It's only made by tool, by your tool and by your hands. And that's what I really uh, interested in, because I, as I told you, I love to I love to draw. I love to work with my hands. But I, there's something else that I love is photograph. In fact, photograph teaches me the light, and drawing teach teach me the composition of of and the making of, of an image. So, meditant is 
just the way I found to join those two things. I draw something that is that has the light of a photograph. And I don't mean it, I don't say it's a photograph. It's mm. not only a photograph, it, the, the light is similar. The way we do the light to explain the mezzotint, we, we, we damage, and that, that's really the thing that we do. Mm -hmm. We damage the surface of the copper with the tool named uh, the rocker that's full of little teeth. And it makes up millions of little tiny holes on the surface of the of the copper. And then we just, we have made a texture and we cut that texture to create shades of gray. Mm. The more we cut, the more we make a little tiny white spot. And so, so the more you cut, the, 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 this spot is larger. So it, it will give you at the end a white spot. So you create, you, you are, in fact, you are almost sculpting the, the image onto the, the copper plate. And then you ink it, you wipe it strongly as much as you can. So it's impossible to, to take off the ink of every tiny hole in, in the mezzotint. If it's well done, if the mezzotint is well uh, uh, rocked, you, it's almost impossible to, to empty mm. it. So uh, we can print it quite easily, but with, a, with good tools and with good experience and a good press, because it needs a lot of pressure to take to sick the ink out of the tiny holes. It seems to be complicated, but it's not so complicated. It's not a complicated technique, mm. technically. It's complicated to the way of thinking the image. You have to think the image differently as any other. It, it, it fits with some kind of spirits, uh, uh, some kind of idea or so, some kind of understanding the, the image and the light in the image for for many of us, for the mezzotinters, it's good. And for other printmakers, that's the other way of thinking the image that is good. So mm. for me, it has been, and it's always a very simple technique. Yeah, It's complicated to do it well, but it's a, technically it's very simple. Yeah, it's a, it reminds me of what I've heard people say about the sort of the Chinese checkers that are the go the game go and how it's it's a minute to learn a lifetime to master that's approximately that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because it is it is as you say this this simple idea you know you've got a plate that it's so textured that if you were to ink it it would be completely black and then black. you just add by smoothing out those ridges you add what you want to be light what you want ink to not stick and it's it seems yeah. like it should be so straightforward but it's it's a completely different way than we're taught mm. about image creation that you know it's different from drawing and it's interesting to know that you have that background in photography because i feel like that probably set a really good foundation more so than if you had just been a painter or a, a drawer to start thinking about looking at an image in light and in gradients of light yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, 
everything in mezzotint, it's a it's a matter of light. If there is no light, there is no mezzotint. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 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 uh, one of the things for me, for me, the, I don't talk for 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 everyone, but one of the things that I like into mezzotint is that the less you do and the more it gives to the viewer to imaging the rest of the image. So mm. you, you have to give some clue to the viewer not to reveal everything. If you reveal, it's a, it's a flat thing. There is no deep into the image. If you just propose, if you evoke more than describe, uh, it's, it's way, way better for me. That's a really beautiful point. And when I, I can see it in your images, when I bring them kind of up in my mind's eye, and also in other mezzotints that I've loved. And this just, it can be really, the image is just walking that line between decipherable and indecipherable. And it seems like a collaborative process between me as the viewer and the mezzotint yeah. that we come together and we sort of decide what I'm seeing. And the viewer can see uh, something slightly different that I've done. Mm -hmm. And it's perfect. It's perfect. It, it's making his own story, story about, about the image. Uh, I don't have to, to give everything to make a diktat about the image the, the viewer can make his own story the, 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 his own imagination goes in in the image and it's way better than just having an image a cat is a cat right. for example <laughs> right yeah yeah it makes it such a more dynamic viewing experience yeah. and and so interesting mm -hmm. So you were saying that you were introduced to Mezzotint in 1987 and you, you know, were taken with it and decided to pursue the process. But this is, of course, before the Internet. It's three years before Carol Wax's book on the Mezzotint comes out. Yeah. How did you go about learning the technique? Because now, you know, people who are interested, they can go to YouTube. They're beautiful videos, a lot of them actually featuring you, showing these just high quality zoomed in images of the rocker and the teeth and the burnishing. So in 1987, how does one go about learning mesotent? Making some mistake. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, no, uh, in fact, we, we had almost nothing. To, to it took me years to, to to control the technique because there was at the time it's uh, it's true that there was no internet nothing to to learn correctly and nobody was uh, giving uh, master classes or something like that so we we had to find with enormous difficulty to find the material a rocker or something. Yeah. Lions were making rockers, but we, we didn't know anything about. So uh, the very first time I've made attend it, I used a, um, a screw that I cut 
in half to make some some and turn turn twisted that was too much complicated but mm. when i found the place to buy a rocker the price has absolutely not <laughs> it was cheap anyway because so, so much work to do our own too and and then for example uh, my first scraper that i was not a scraper in fact it was a line that I shaped into scraper and I still have it and it still works. Oh. <laughs> I have many others, but like I, I said, it's, it's easy. It's a, we don't need complicated tools. The only tools that we really want to buy and it has to be professionally done is the rocker. Right. But the rest, the rest is it's we can do it. I, I gave I gave a, a master class few uh, maybe ten years ago in China, and I the students I was explaining the the technique and showing the tools, and then I said, okay, are you ready? You have your tools, and they said, yes, we will have it soon, and I said, why you don't have it? I said, yes, we will make them oh. and they go to the, to the studio and they have lines and uh, steel bars and they have made their own tools in few hours and it works i they made one to me a scraper to me and it's one of my best scrapers now so yeah you know it's it's interesting because there's a similar attitude here in thailand um, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, where it's just like, oh, you need, you need a hole punch, you need a a, a a paper terror, you know, these kind of things that in the United States and Canada, it's like, all right, we'll go to the Takish website, we'll see how much it's going to be. Here, it's just mm. like, oh, what is that? Just like like a hinge and a sharp edge and some holes. Yeah, we can do that. Like, give us yeah. a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the same, and it's good. When you do that, you understand the use of the tool. You mm. understand exactly what you need with the tool. You understand your tool, in fact. You understand everything about. So I learned my technique like this by by making everything. I don't I don't say it's better or or it was better than than today. It's easier to buy the tools now. It's, it's perfect like this. But uh, I, it took me years to control the technique. It took me years to understand what was going on the plate, uh, scraping with different angles, mm. uh, not scraping, but uh, uh, rocking with different angles. And how many angles, yeah. how many runs, how many of these. So I made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of essay. And at the end, I, underst I understood what what was this technique and what gives the best result to me mm. and for me and for my images, not not for my eyes, but for my images, for the for the direct relation between the images and and the viewer. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point that because you had to figure it out from trial and error and get these tools that were 
specifically made and see them being made in that process really discovered your own path to it. Whereas now when someone can just say, here's how you make a mezzotint or really go about any process, it's one, two, three, four, five, you have an image. You yeah. had this very different experience of, well, it was, you know, a more winding path. It was your mm. own. And, and so you have all of these probably minutia of particularly Guy-specific techniques. Mm. Yeah. 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 Oh, how interesting. Yeah. yeah. And and it, that's why when when I when I give master classes now, often students or artists ask me how many runs. Right. I said I don't know how many runs. It depends on many things: the gap between the strokes, the the number of teeth, the angle, uh, what you want to do, what you want to create. So I can't tell you a recipe. There is no recipe for for making. Of course, we can we can give a recipe, but everyone will do the same. It's boring at the end. <laughs> yeah, everyone's mezzotints so, would would look alike. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, in terms of your you know actual process in in making your images, you know it's uh, one of the things that you you've said that I love is that the human body is the very best way to speak to humans about humans. And the human form is a strong theme in your work. That's the only one. It's the only one. Yeah. If I, if I, yeah. I wasn't, I wanted, I almost was thinking only one, but then I was like, maybe he has a piece I haven't seen. Yeah. So I uh, maybe, maybe two or three in, in 45 years. Yeah. Yeah. But, but human body, it's in fact, it's not, Human body is not the theme in, in my work. Mm. Human body is the tool of my work. It's the way I I found to uh, to speak to to talk about about beauty, about uh, about uh, ugliness, about uh, time, about mm. uh, about uh, movement, and about um, remembrance and souvenir. And and about forgetfulness, of course. So it, an image for me is always a struggle, a struggle between black and white, the struggle between the plate and me, the plate and the paper, the plate and the ink, the, and the tools going in into the the the, the metal uh, of the plate. It's always a struggle. It, I uh, I often say that we're pretty, pretty uh, lucky. We, we always fight for making an image. Fortunately, we, we do fix the rules. When I win, I stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when, when you, if you could talk more maybe about that idea of that struggle and that kind of wrestling the image. I'm sort of curious about that idea. Is it, is it you sort of versus the copper? Is it you versus the image? Like who, who are the players in that struggle? The main thing in, the, in that struggle is, is the, the struggle between me and me, in fact. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, the way I want to, to decide why I do an image and why I do this image into Meditant instead of 
doing a drawing or doing a painting or doing a, uh, a photograph. So I have to fix this eye in, in myself before. I never, I never uh, make, I never begin a, a mesitant without knowing exactly what I will do on that plate. Mm-hmm. Not, not exactly. Roughly, I know what I will do on that plate. I did, when I think about the image all the way, uh, I rock it. Even if I, I have some image that took me two months to rock. And I knew on the very first movement of my rocker that I had this size, this uh, the relation between high and, and the size of the other fits to one image or one few images from the same city. Mm. Uh, for me, it's very important. I, I don't want to do something just because I can. Mm-hmm. It's the wrong reason. I do something because I want to communi- communicate with, with, the, with the viewers. So I have to find to dis- define my subject. The subject is never the, the, the body by itself, by himself, or, or uh, it, it's always something, a layer, a deeper layer. So uh, for a long time, I worked on, on, on the, the forgetfulness and the, the, the souvenir, the remembrance and forgetfulness. So it's the same. Those are two parts of the same medal, two sides. The light never is never light without any shadows. White is not light, it's just white. Mm-hmm. Black is just black if you don't have light. Yeah. So there is no deepness into black if there is not a, a, a spark of light. So uh, that's my struggle is always in, into that. And my struggle is all is also on. Actually, I'm I'm working on my my sentence to the, 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 that I start with is um, the human human body is the ultimate landscape. Hmm. So I I make I make landscape night landscape, but there's no landscape. It's it's a human body. So uh, I, I, I try to, to make as less as possible, to work as less as possible, to have not only a line, but almost just a line, and give the impression of, of mountains and, and clouds. Mm. But if you look at it, after a few minutes, you will probably see a part of a body and then when you see the body you see only the body you don't see anymore the, the landscape so and and that's that's what i'm playing with the, the perception of change with when you find the clue that that gives you the key yeah mm. because i think that and this is something that maybe you've spoken of before but this idea that the human body can be distorted so mm. much and you can still find the human body in it. And it's, it's an image yeah. where, you know, if you were trying to take a, 
a vase with some flowers, you know, it doesn't take too much distorting before the vase with some flowers is gone. But yeah. the human body is not like that. Like we're, we're so programmed or evolved to or whatever you want to say, like to find other humans, to find human form that you can make it almost disappear, but we'll still find like the elbow, the thigh, the neck in the image. We just need uh, just a little clue. And then you make you make the whole thing. The, the, the viewer will make it perfectly. I have made a long, a long, uh, a large number of uh, of uh, prints. My title, my working title, was uh, "Falling Angels," and all those bodies were falling, and they were uh, this form, and almost nothing was. On the those image, almost no uh, nothing on the human body was at the right place. Mm -hmm. But at the end, when you you were looking at the whole thing, you were able to see it anyway. And, and they were torn. They were. It was. Uh, I think it was uh, easy to to find uh, something. Uh, corresponding to to uh, human uh, sickness or something like that uh, mm. in, in each of them. So it, there's nothing in my work, there's nothing spectacular. It, everything is uh, related to one viewer at a time mm. in front of it. Something else that you've said about artistic practice is that the job of the artist is certainly useless yet so necessary yeah <laughs> um, would you i'd love to hear more about that yeah so uh, it's useless if i don't work the world will turn perfectly <laughs> if i don't have it i understand that very well but mm. if i work maybe i will help someone to have a not a better life but to feel better in his life mm just by creating images. Well, it's useless. The, the way we, we I don't, uh, I'm not a farmer. I don't make food. I'm not, a, uh, I'm not, a, I'm not saving life. I'm not, uh, I'm, ju I'm just doing images, which is quite useless, in fact. <laughs> but it, it but it's, it, it can help people also. Morally, uh, it can help uh, people to have uh, to be better in their mind, and I think it's uh, necessary. We 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 need we need that. We are not only um, human is not, and I think probably more than human. But anyway, uh, human do not need only food, sleep, and water. Mm. It needs something a little more, and what I do is that little more. Hmm. I I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it, it's for me. It's it's important to, I, I and I when I say it's useless but necessary, it's it's not. Uh, I don't want to diminish my 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 job. It's just a fact for me. Yeah, because it is something that I think people 
don't really recognize that how much of what they interact with in their life yeah. that gives it meaning and uh, substance and joy or just stimulus is art. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and art is it is almost everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you take that off, look exactly what happened this year with the pandemic. Mm. Uh, art has been taken off almost of everything in, in the Western world, at least. And it's boring. <laughs> it's boring. Society is going is, is getting mad. Yeah. Uh, and not only because of art is not there. There's many other reasons. But one of these reasons is the fact that there is nothing, nothing to inspire pe people with no art, no theater, mm. no show, no uh, nothing to nothing to get together, nothing to to find that we have a common idea of something and mm. uh, nothing to uh, nothing also to shake our our spirits just to make us think a little more i think that art do not answer art ask makes questions and people in front of work of art has to find their own answers they think the the art give them the answer but in fact no the art just help them to think about their their own answer mm. and and for me it, it's the important part of art i don't make food but mm -hmm. i made art i made food for 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 the mind of people yeah because it's 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 such a good i don't know i don't know if experiment is the right word but Maybe it's just, it's such a good example of people living now. It's, they are getting technically their needs met. You know, people can work from home. They're getting food and have a place to sleep. This is people who are, who are lucky, who have kept jobs and houses during the pandemic. But that's, you know, most of the people that, that I know are in this situation. And so it's like, technically they're getting everything they need, but when I call home and I talk to people because I've Thailand has just done very well and I've you know been extremely lucky and and privileged to live more or less normally through almost all of this but when I call home and I see people who have been in you know have been home for almost 300 days straight like you can tell mm. that they're not being fed in other ways you know they yeah. they they aren't um, like their, their minds and their souls aren't getting that stimulus that they need to be sort of whole, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They, they need that stimulus to, to be human, in mm. fact. Mm. Mm -hmm. Having food, sleep, and water, and, uh, uh, and a roof under your head, uh, over your head, it's, it's good. It's good. But uh, dogs have them too. <laughs> yeah. So we, I think, we need more, more to be humans, more humanity, more uh, contact with the others, more exchange of ideas, mm -hmm. and I think that that 
is uh, the fact that we are all stuck together, uh, stuck alone in our houses, and there is not enough exchanges, exchange of ideas, exchange of everything. Mm. One of the things that is missing for me uh, now, I can't, I can't go anywhere. Uh, I used to travel a lot. I used mm. to meet other artists, not only uh, printmaker or not, not only meditators, but other artists. And to have, even if we don't remake the whole world every time, the exchange that we have brings me further in my in, in the way I think. Mm. So, and I need I need that I need that mm. uh, and many artists need that and it's one of the things that is uh, there is a big lack of, of exchanges in in those uh, this world and having an ex- it's, it's nice to have an exchange with with the the tools that we have now fortunately we have them. Uh, computers and 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 everything like this, but uh, if he, if that uh, pandemic ha- happened 25 years ago, it would be a very very disaster. Yeah, I mean it's 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 been hard and it's been very hard for a lot of people. But I I think about what people were doing during the Spanish flu, when it was you know there was not downloading books mm. or uh, ordering books to your house and watching great sweeping dramas on Netflix that can mm. just totally take your mind off things and and video calling like we were talking about before like you know just being able to see your family like even if you can't hold them but like yeah. just see their mm. face it's mm. yeah so it's it's uh it would be it, it's it's very hard, but it, it of course could be harder. Yeah. 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 Um, speaking of of travel and the the before time when we could do that, had have you ever gone to the international mesitant festival in Ekaterinburg? Yes. Oh yeah. What year were yeah. you there? Uh, I was there uh, um, last time. Oh, last last okay. one. Yeah. And and. Uh, and four years before, mm. uh, I don't remember exactly. The, I think it's in um, 2015, probably 15 and 19. Yeah. Mm. And uh, uh, I, it's a wonderful. That I'm jealous. I, I must. I, I told them I'm jealous because I didn't have this this ID before them. <laughs> <laughs> I I. Uh, in the beginning of the uh, 2000, I founded uh, an international biennial here in Trois-Rivières. And uh, I didn't have the idea to make it only for Meditant at that time. So I'm jealous. It's, it's, it's a wonderful meeting anyway, because uh, with, uh, the Meditanters are quite uh, few in the world, in yeah. fact. And... It's a nice place to see the whole family. Uh, even if it, it's like a family, in fact. Uh, some people make meditant the way I never want to do it. Mm. And some people do it the way I will never be able to do it. Mm. And, and some are making it close to my 
to my idea of it, but we are all brothers and sisters, and it's very nice to see each other once every uh, two years, uh, and and that that's very or the, once every four years for me because I I I used to not to go every time. Mm. I would like to go next time because the uh, pandemic was too long and I want to see my, my family. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just so for, for people who are, who are listening who don't know, the International Mazatent Festival takes place every two years in Yekaterinburg in Russia. And it's put on by, I think, the Yekaterinburg Museum of Art. And yeah. it's just, I went in 2017. So, we, we missed each other, but yeah, um, it's, it's incredible. You know, I mean, it's, it's these, it's two buildings of four floors the year that I went of just mesitants and they put on such a good show. Um, Nikita, who's the director of the museum there is a great host and make sure that, you know, people get good food and drink and they have, banquets and it's just a really incredible experience to see so many beautiful mesitants and mesitant artists in one yeah. place yeah mm. yeah i do think that uh you know in, in in the world of printmaking i think that sometimes mesitant artists get the reputation of being a bit introverted compared to the rest of the print world. <laughs> not, not we are in, in, in family. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, I didn't see that at all when I was there. Like, and I think it's because, yeah, it was, it, everyone was like coming home to family, you know, and uh, it's just, yeah, a really, a really beautiful experience. And I, I don't, yeah, I have no idea if there'll be any way for them to do it this year because 2021 would be, would be a festival year. I would like, but uh, not sure because uh, the pandemic seems to uh, to uh, to get a little longer than than I hope. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I don't know if there. I have no news about uh, this year. We might have to wait until twenty twenty three to to do it. But I I really hope to to have a chance to go back as well because it was it was just a great experience for sure. Yeah. So you said that you had started a biennial as well. Is that still going on? Yeah, it's still going on, but I don't work anymore uh, uh. For, for, for it. I, I worked for 10 years from between uh, 1999 and 2010. And then uh, I, I had too, too much work to, to do with my own work. I I had to answer answer a question one day. Would you like to be uh, um, a biennial director or an artist? Mm. So uh, the answer was an artist. So I I left. I stepped out of the organization, and and I it still work. It's it's going well. Perfect. They don't need me. <laughs> Well, and is it a printmaking biennial or just art yes, in general? Yes. Yeah. What's the name of it? La Biennale Internationale de Stampes Contemporaines de Trois Rivières. All right. So it's in French. Yeah. <laughs> it's a B I E C T R. The short name is B I E C. Okay. 
Excellent. Well, I, I know that people are often looking for more opportunities to show yeah. their work and be recognized. So I can put a link yeah. in there. There are many, many people that I met uh, with the Biennial that I uh, met somewhere else in the world. And even the mezzotinters, like uh, like uh, uh, Mehdi Darvishi, who won the grand prize at the uh, Biennial here a few years ago, uh, and Ifa Leighton oh, yeah. came here. Yeah. She's great. She and I. Yeah. She and yeah. I really tore it up at the Mezzotint Festival in 2017. <laughs> uh, that was that was a great experience to create such uh, a big event uh, and uh, and and yeah, I was I'm still proud of it anyway. Uh, I was proud and I'm still proud, but uh, at the end I like I I told you I I, I had to to choose between my own careers mm. and and uh, to, to be to be uh, much more involved into into the biennial so and I I decided to to uh, to get into my work and I think it was a good move because uh, from that time I I had a good respect from other artists before 2010 but since 2010, 11, and 12, my work has been uh, recognized and awarded in many, many, many uh, places. So I think it was a good move to me to get back to my to my studio work and create solid work for for uh, sending them. Yeah. Well, was it was it kind of a tough decision to? step away from the biennial and, and focus on the art or did it just kind of feel like it was time i think it was time mm. uh, it was it, it was beginning to be tough not to be able to to uh give all the all the time that i wanted to to give to to my own work uh, it's it was anyway a tough decision but uh i think it it was the best decision. It's one of the best decisions that I've made into my artistic life, anyway, uh, to come back to my studio and work uh, hardly and seriously to make my my work going further. I think it was the best thing to do. And, and few months after, I was very happy about that. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I do think that there's a lot of that. As you invest in in your work, you do get the rewards from it, just having that focus, for sure. Yeah. Well, we're almost just sort of out of time talking about Mezzotint and your work and everything. And so before we sign off entirely, can you please tell people where they can find you and see your work and learn more about you and all of that? Oh, if you if the people want to to see my work, they, the the very best place to see it's on the net. Of course, it's on the web. Uh, I on my Facebook page. Uh, they just have to uh, Google my name, and you will find my my Facebook page. It's uh, Guilangevin52, uh, and uh, some uh, art center, but mainly. If you look at the catalogs of many biennials 
around the world, you will you will probably find some of my my work. Uh, it's the the best place is still on the web. I think it, you you will see a lot of my work. Not all, but a lot of my work on the web. Great. Well, and I'll I'll put a link to your Facebook page um, and anything else um, that we that we and a link to the Biennial as well. Uh, just in the sort of the show notes for this, and we'll post some images with your uh, with your episode on Instagram and. Yeah, thank you so much for spending an hour with me this evening. It was just delightful to learn more about your work and, and the history and to, to talk mezzotints. I, I love mezzotints and I feel like I don't get to talk about them nearly enough. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll get to meet in person, maybe, uh, maybe in Russia. Maybe, I, I wish, I wish. Yeah. And uh, thank, thank you for uh, for inviting me for making this uh, this podcast. Uh, it's a very interesting. That, as I said, it's uh, it's always uh, uh, funny to see that people want to see my my work or talk to me from the the other the other end of the world. Yeah. That's 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 really interesting. It's the it's the power of an image, you know. It can yeah. it can yeah. just fly around the world if it's if it touches people. Well, that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be Lyle Castonguay of Big Ink Prints. We'll talk about bringing big woodcut printmaking to the people, working in collaboration in the time of COVID, and building an arts organization from the ground up. You won't want to miss it. This episode like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.